Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. I'm worn out. If we're going to sing a song like that, we ought at least get to take the masks off on that song. Man, that, caused, that song needs a lot of breathing, and I wasn't quite getting some of it. But uh, All right, one more thing about singing. There is nothing better to me than watching children sing. They're not trying to do anything. They just can't help it. When they sing, they can't help it. That's so different from some adults who just sit around and choose not to sing. They just sit there. They barely move their mouths. But a child, when a child starts singing, they can't help it. They just jump in. They know it. They just have to do it. I've been watching it. That song, God is so good, Lucy was tearing that one up, let me tell you. I love it when children sing. I love it when adults sing like the children do. We're going to take today and talk about the heart. And we're going to come back to the subject of the heart again next week. Because when you talk about the heart, you talk about the seat of life. The people of Scripture, the Jewish concept of the heart, was not just the seat of emotions. In fact, more, even more true, it was the seat of reasoning, the seat of thought. It was the place, the heart was known as the place from which all of life flowed. Maybe we forget that, but I think basically we have the same idea that it's all about the heart and getting the heart right. And so this morning our concept of being pure in heart, not allowing our impure actions to damage our hearts irretrievably. Tonight we look at another concept on the heart. We've all heard the idea, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And probably all of us at some time have experienced what that means. We've experienced times when we were away from someone that we really wanted to be with. And the time made them even more special in our minds and we wanted to to get back. Maybe you've had that feeling about something that you enjoyed doing and you haven't done it in a long time and, and therefore you're anxious and you build it up as something really, really great because you haven't participated in it for so long. The idea is when you're away from something, we get it. Therefore, it makes the heart grow fonder. But it seems not to be true with respect to spiritual things. Absence does not make the heart grow fonder. In fact, it makes the heart go and wander. 
And when we wander spiritually, we get ourselves in trouble. Let's think about this idea for a few minutes. There's an interesting proverb. You can always, it seems, find a, a proverb that fits whatever you're going to talk about, ever. I mean, you could spend your entire lifetime just studying proverbs and come up with new ones all the time that fit what you're doing. Proverbs 27 and verse 8. As a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Think about that for a minute. What is the wise man saying? What is this proverb about? Well, there, is, there are differing opinions about that. But they have some similarities that I think are very true, especially when you see the second part, like a man who wanders from his place. I don't think this is about a, a, a mama bird who's going out to find food for the little ones. I, I don't think that's what it's talking about because we too have to go find food for our families and how is that wrong? Why is there danger there? I think there's something more going on. What I think is going on is the idea of wander lust. I looked up that word today just to see what the definition is. Heard the word or the term and would probably understand it anyway. It is this intense urge or sense that I just want to go. Just let me go. Well, I think probably the last year or two has created a whole lot of wanderlust in people. Just get me out of the house. Just get me out of this town. Just get me on the road. I just want to go. You ever just get the feeling that you just want to get in a car and take off? Now, some people turn their noses up and say, man, that doesn't, that doesn't entice me in the least little bit. Does me. Wouldn't bother me right now to say, see y'all later. I'm jumping in the car and I'm driving to California. I'm going to take a look at the ocean, take a picture. I'm going to get back in the car and drive back to Richmond. Wouldn't bother me a bit. I've told many people, if I ever decided that preaching is not for me anymore, or if somebody else decided that for me, I think I'd become a truck driver. I think I'd be a truck driver. Number one, you know, if somebody decided it for me, I wouldn't have to see him anymore. I'm gone. The idea is this. Man, I love getting on the road and go. Having a little bit of wanderlust, that's me. I got two states in the United States that I have not touched, not been in physically, just two. I want to go. Put me in a car, let me drive to Maine. Put me in a car, let me drive to North Dakota. And when I do that, I got all 50. So I understand the concept of wanderlust. 
I think this passage, this proverb, is a caution concerning spiritual wanderlust. We're going to come back to it in a few moments, but right now, what's the danger? Well, the danger is really simple. Here is a situation where I think he's talking about a, a bird that chooses to head out and find something better than what he already has. And a man who leaves his place because he desires to find something that he thinks is better. It might have some connection to the grass is always greener on the other side. Might be a part of this. But the one who wanders spiritually immediately puts himself in the midst of temptations that he might not normally have. The one who wanders might find himself enjoying that place over there better and therefore doesn't want to come back to his place. The danger of the wander lust is to get out there and get trapped and be hurt, to be damaged. The wise man said, don't wander from your place. The nest is the place of safety. What we have to do, I think what he's talking about here, is recognizing your place of safety. And don't stray from the place of safety. Because outside of the safe zone is danger. Now I'm not... I think this is comparable to the things we've talked about before. And I was using it in the class that I taught at Dry Ridge for a while. We need to have our stake in Scripture, no doubt. And we need to be tethered to the stake that we have in Scripture, no doubt. And wandering outside the tether of the staked Word of God is where the problem lies. Therefore, the, the wise men said, stay in your place. Don't run from the place of safety that you know. Because there's a problem if you do. Let's think about this idea. Wandering is a human characteristic. Those who wander, pretty common to everybody. I, I think probably the story of the prodigal son shows as well as any story what all people face when they wander. Whether a child of God or just a moral person of value, the prodigal. When he left home, things did not get better. When he left home, 
things got worse. What he did with his money, the people he encountered, what the consequences were, everything was worse in the wandering than in the place of safety at home. Now, admittedly, I think there is correlation, at least in one point, to some things that I want to pursue next week. I have said many times, we cannot blame COVID for having created a bunch of things. But I think we can say that the COVID virus has revealed a whole bunch of things. You think the prodigal son had a good heart when he left? No, probably not. The point of the story seems to be that, yes, he was in a place of safety, but his heart was wandering. And when he got out there, he had the opportunity to participate in all of those things. Maybe his heart wasn't right to begin with. I'm not denying that. But while he was home, while he was in a place of safety, he at least did not participate in them. The reason I think that could be the case is because when he comes home, his older brother doesn't want to celebrate his return. In fact, he's all upset that they've given him a party for having come. And then we listen to what the older brother said. He has wasted your substance with prostitutes. Now, I don't, number one... There is nothing in the story that says that's what he was doing. Number two, how does the brother know what he was doing? Therefore, number three, I think it's a revelation that the older brother's heart was where the younger brother was. But at least he stayed home. The place of safety... That place of safety didn't guarantee a good heart, but I know this. It kept them away from participating, apparently, in the kinds of actions that the prodigal found when he went away. Generally speaking, that's what people do. But you know what? God's people... Not just generally people, but God's people have been people who wander. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Moses is talking to the people before going into the promised land, finally. And starting in verse 15, he is giving a prophecy about what's going to happen. And in this prophecy, he identifies the fact that one day you're going to go away. One day you're going to fall. One day you're going to have trouble. Listen to how he words it. As though they've already done it, verse 15. But Jeshurun, which apparently was 
a diminutive term for all of Israel, grew fat and kicked. You grew fat. You grew thick. You are obese. As though it had already happened, Moses said, you're going to wonder. And when you wonder, you're going to make yourself fat. By your own thoughts, filled with you. He is saying, I think, that wanderlust leads to unhealthy filling of our lives. When you're staying healthy in your food intake, it's one thing. But when you just go wild and take in everything, good or bad, there can be repercussions. And they did this, verse 18, because they forgot God. Their wanderlust led them to fill themselves, not with God, but with what they wanted, and they forgot the God who brought them up. He identified the same concept with Rehoboam, the king of Israel. When he succeeded his father Solomon, 2 Kings 12 and verse 1 says that he strengthened himself and forsook God. He wandered away because he decided, I can tell myself how strong I am. I can be strong myself. I can define it for myself. And he had problems. His problems were even there when he first took the kingdom. And he had an opportunity to get advice on what to do with the tax problem. And the old guys said, if you want to win the hearts of the people, lower their tax burden. And the young guys said, no, no, no. You want to show how tough you are? You want to show how rough you can be? You want to get them by the throat and make them submit? You just make it even worse on them. And again, he had made himself strong. And he disassociated from the older advisors and took the young advisors' approach and lost, lost, Ten and a half tribes from his kingdom. God's people even have a tendency to wander. We're God's people. We have a tendency. We might, in fact, wander. So the question is, what causes 
this wanderlust. If I can know what's going on in the wandering, how can I then put a check on it so that I don't wander away? We're going to build on these concepts next week. But you might want to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And we're going to see something here about halting wanderlust. By seeing from a great wanderer. Solomon was in fact a wandering Jew. He just was. Think about Solomon for a minute. When he got the kingdom, the first thing he did was he said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You gave my father the kingdom, and he honored you, and he did what you wanted, and now you've raised up a son to fill his place on the throne. But I can't leave these people. God had asked him, what do you want? I'll give you what you want. And he said, Lord, give me the wisdom to lead these people. Now, I think in those early years, I think his heart was right. I think his intentions were good and pure. I think he really, from his depth of mind, said, I want to have wisdom to lead God's people in the right way. But then... The wanderlust set in. Verse 12. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. Number one, I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. Wanderlust begins with the desire to wander. The word used here, he set his heart. He chose to search it out. He chose to wander. He turned his attention to wandering. In fact, the very thing that God, that he had asked God to give him is the very thing he said, I chose to wander with. It's really difficult, isn't it? To harmonize the idea that Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. And then did the things he admits in Ecclesiastes. Is that hard? It's just difficult to understand. Now, it's not hard to understand when I do it. 
It's probably not hard for you to understand when you do it, because neither of us probably thinks that we're the wisest people who ever lived. So when we do it, well, okay. But Solomon said, in the wisdom that God gave me, that's when I chose to go seek and search. What's he seeking out? What is he searching? He was already the wisest. What's he looking for? <laughs> what is he wandering to, this really wise man? He wasn't content. There's something out there. And maybe this is how he did things. God gave me this great wisdom, and it's going to protect me. And so I can, I can choose to be out there, and I can do all that stuff, and I can go out there as far as I can go, because my wisdom that God gave me is going to protect me. And it caused his wanderlust. But his wisdom didn't keep him home in his safe place. He wasn't wise enough to see that home, his safe place, was pretty good. And so off he goes. But number two, we have to admit, this burdensome task God has given to the sons of men or man, by which they may be exercised. Curiosity comes from God. Desire to know comes from God. I think now, I've said this many times, if I had the same attitude in high school for science that I have now, first thing is I'd have made better grades in science. Second thing is I'd probably be further down the road to understanding a lot of things. God wants us to investigate. God wants us to plumb the depths of everything that He has made. I think we should one simple example. I think it is incredible. The more I hear about it, the more I hear or read about what they're finding. When you get down to the molecular level of cells, the design, the intricacy is incredible. DNA may be one of the greatest discoveries of our lifetimes or any lifetime. DNA has been called by scientists who don't necessarily think of themselves as religious people. DNA is the finger of God. You know why? Because those scientists were curious. Where did it come from, God? There's nothing wrong with being curious. God gave that drive. 
But what Solomon did was try in some way, it seems, to justify with the wisdom that God had given him and the drive or the desire to search that comes also from God to head away from his safe place. That's what seems to be going on here, in my opinion. Therefore, third, his wanderlust, his misuse of what God had given, led him to what he already knew to be true. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. Indeed, all is vanity and grasping for the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be numbered. He says it again in chapter 7 in verse 13. Consider the work of God. For who can make straight what he has made crooked? As always, I'm open to continued discussion for understanding and meaning of text. But here's what I think I have found. Solomon decided to wonder. Can I... With God's wisdom and His created curiosity, go out there and, and put myself in the midst of all of those things and be okay. What he was searching for may have been those things that God has said are crooked. That's what I already know. He knew it. In that prayer, he said, my father... Listen, he followed your laws. And how many of those laws did Solomon set aside in order to have the lifestyle that we find revealed in Ecclesiastes? What did he find? He found what he already should have known. There are crooked things out there that God's already said. That's crooked. It's not straight. Just accept it. Instead of having wanderlust to go out there and try to prove it. We are people who don't learn from the past. Whether from our own mistakes or the mistakes of others. We just have this wanderlust to go find it for ourselves. When you get there, it's already what you already knew. A professor I had in... Fried Hardeman, Tom Holland, said in our class on the life of Christ, I don't have to go and stand in a dumpster to know there's trash there. But wanderlust can put us in a dumpster thinking, maybe it's not that bad. When in fact, it is. And you get there, and you're going to find out 
what you already knew. Spiritual absence makes the heart go wonder. It doesn't make us fonder of God. Next week, I want to hear more words from this preacher. And then I want to share with you some words from this preacher. As we think again about the importance of the heart and who we are as people of God. If you need our help, if you want our prayer, our shepherds are willing to do that. Meet them here at the front as we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.